Hey everyone, welcome back to Quality Matters. We're glad to have y'all back. Why are you pointing at me? Because the last few episodes you didn't do the introduction, and if we have new listeners, they need to know who we are. Oh, well, actually this is going to be the next episode, so you really just confused our listeners. Confused myself too. But. <laughs> okay, well I've been skipping the intro on purpose because I feel like we do it every time and it's awkward. I'm Darcy. We're, I'm Kyle. He is my subject matter expert that I allow to be on my Quality Matters podcast. (laughs) So this week, um, we're revisiting a controversial topic. Yes. COVID-19. I'm calm, composed, and logical. Kyle is going to remain objective. Yes. Although this topic is not necessarily controversial controversial or polarized. No. In today's global economy, quality matters. Benjamin Franklin once quipped, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Quality Matters is here to talk about all things quality. So whether you're looking to improve your business, getting ready for an audit, or dealing with failed inspections, tune in, check us out, then get back to doing work that matters. No. I was just browsing through um, blog posts, case studies. I have two sites that I really like to go to to find topics. Um, one is Deming's website and their blogs. Deming Institute. The Deming Institute. I knew you would figure it out for me. And the other <laughs> is ASQ and their case studies. So okay. um, when I don't find something on my own, those are the places that I go to to find something. But. This is really cool. This is very interesting. It's um, c- it's about control charts. Woo! So exciting. Can you briefly tell us what control charts are? Yes. So, if you have any process, you have an upper and a lower limit, and what that means is. Can I guess? Yes. Because I'm so proud of what I'm learning. <laughs> An upper limit is, we'll allow it to go to here. Upper and lower is really mm-hmm. the same. We'll allow it to go here, but mm-hmm. anything past here is outside of our tolerance and it's a problem and we need to do something about it. What do you need me for? I don't need you anymore. I'm my own subject matter expert. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea of control charts is that you can monitor uh, where your measurements and where your data is and you can predict where it will be before it gets there. A good example of a real-world use of a control chart would be, say, that you're doing like uh, some type of machining, right? So we, we've all seen the fun videos on YouTube where you got the guy, you know, doing all the lathe work. Okay, well, he's doing all that by hand. But what if you had a machine that had a drill bit, and that machine would go in one inch, over two inches, and back out another inch? Well, as you use that drill bit, that drill bit's going to wear down. Mm-hmm. So where yesterday it was going in an inch... Today, it's going, you know, 0.998 inches and then 0.997 inches. But then it may even um, accelerate as it gets more brittle or whatever the case is. A control chart will allow you to make very good predictions about what the future of uh, that tool and that measurement will be. Okay. So you can fix the problem before it ever occurs. So that's how this blog ended up on the Deming Institute blogs. Cool. It is uh, the use of control charts in reference to COVID-19. All right. And this is in India. 
Do we need to explain COVID-19 to anyone? I think people under, well, we understand what we've been told about (laughs) COVID-19. We'll say that. Um, So on March 24th, the Prime Minister of India put India on a nationwide lockdown. Yeah. That was pretty early, Mm -hmm. I think. I remember, for some reason, March 20th is stuck in my head for the, like, oh, crap, this is really going to happen in Houston yeah. kind of a thing I, around that time. I think they had already shut down the rodeo a couple of days before, yep. which is a big deal here. I, was, <laughs> I, didn't even, I was conducting an audit that day, actually. I was doing a third-party ISO audit. In person. In person, right? So I'm doing this audit, and in the background, like— if they basically it's a small company, there's only like seven or eight people that work there. And if they were not in the room being audited by me, they were all in the lobby watching the television, which cranked up as loud as it could go so they could hear it out in the shop. <laughs> and so I'm trying to audit, listening to people talk about shutting down the rodeo. I'm like, yeah. what the heck? So I think that actually happened a couple of days before. But I, I, for some reason, I remember, I think March 20th was a Friday. And that's when we, you know, said, okay, we're really, we, I thought we were going to be on lockdown yeah. and we packed up the office we came home we yep. made a run to the grocery store did all that no toilet paper crazy stuff that everybody else did yes but no toilet paper uh, we got some we never ran out so we're not going to complain about that so on march I 25th will. 4th india announces a nationwide lockdown then um you know they're reporting infection mm-hmm. rates and death tolls and all the things that all sorts everybody of all over is the world. still doing. Yeah. Um, then there's a man, I know I'm not going to say his name right, Balaji Reddy is how I'm going to say his name. Okay. He is the founder of the Deming Forum, Forum India, and he's a member of their advisory council. Okay, so very smart, he's high-ranking person. associated with the Deming Institute. Yes. It says, he noticed something odd. Okay. What did he notice? And I'm going to read this word for word because this is not my opinion. This is what's stated in the article. Cool. The media was simply reporting the rising numbers of cases and deaths contributing to a general sense of panic. Uh, Yes. Okay. But there was very little attention, paying attention to how those numbers related to the rate of testing or the rate of recovery or, you know, you got to look at things in a perspective, mm-hmm. which is something I have said all along. Right. Well, and so, I think this is something that we uh, hear anytime we turn on the TV or a little news clip on Facebook or whatever it is, right? You know, which, you can hear, oh, 100 people have uh, COVID, but how many people were tested? Were there 100,000 tested? Were there 101 tested? Right. That gives you a different perspective there's 101 people tested and 100 got it okay that's something we need to be worried about oh, but if there's 100 tested and or 100,000 tested and 100 got it maybe not so much right okay agreed so uh balaji said we got to do something about this so he took the data that was being shared by the indian council for medical research okay i'm sure something similar to cdc or yeah i don't know if that's even who's doing our whoever's doing our, anyways we get the who, idea that's who was reporting um and he decided to compute the ratio of positive cases per day mm-hmm. to the number of tests conducted i think that's awesome uh recoveries to the number of cases daily awesome and fatalities to the number of cases daily 
three very good metrics. I agree. Very good. So if let's just say you were to develop a continuous improvement plan, we want to improve COVID's effect on the world. These would be my personal three quality objectives for that program. Mm -hmm. And so he took that and put them in a, what is this called? A control chart. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so it says for positive cases, if the ratios were fluctuating within the limits, Mm -hmm. which we talked about upper and lower limit, then it's stable. Mm -hmm. What we're doing right now is stable. Um, But if they're fluctuating too high, then it's getting worse. If it's fluctuating low, we're getting better, even if total cases go up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's what he said. The upper control limit would help me brace for the highest number of cases possible. Okay. He said, can I control it? No. no. Can I predict it? Yes. yes. Okay. Um, so he discovered that the lockdown was working. Really? Which was good, but... That's not the conclusion that you would have come to if you just saw the numbers being reported on their own That's without true. a relationship That's to true. something else. You would have just seen the daily cases going higher, going higher, going higher. I'm getting freaked out and scared. But the truth is you're, you're better off every day. Yeah, and I think I read um, – I don't think it was in this article. It was somewhere else. But, you know, India is a fraction of the size of the United States. Correct. It said how big. You can't compare apples to apples. It's three times the population of yeah. the U.S. is what they So you've said. got a much higher density. So yes. we can't say that because the lockdown worked in India, it would work here or vice versa. Right. But it sounds like he came up with a very simple, very good tool yes. to measure the impact. Yes. Wherever you are. So, you know, he said, again, if I had looked at the data in a more typical way as mm-hmm. it's being reported... I'd be panicking unnecessarily. Yeah. Um, but you have to understand the difference, and maybe you know this, between the common causes and the special causes. Yes. Okay, so tell us about that. Okay, so, and I'm sure some people are going to criticize me because I'm not giving the textbook definition here, right? <laughs> but uh, common causes, these are just like sounds like these are kind of everyday instances that, that come into play. We cannot control common causes. They're simply part of life. Okay. Right? They're, they're just part of life. You can't control them without some weird, crazy, you know, situation. Um, special causes, these are things that we think we can affect. We can impact. We can control these things. So, you know, here for India, we, we might say that, well, common causes can be that, well, people are coming into contact with each other. They're coming into contact with each other really often because it's really densely packed area. It's probably a lot more humid in most parts of India than it is here. That would be a common cause from they can't change the uh, they can't change the humidity. They mm-hmm. can't do anything about it. Um, so those would be real good common causes. But uh, then you start taking a look at special causes. And these are things that we we can control, and the the lockdown um, would be would be one of those. Okay. Okay. Um, even mask wearing or any of these other things. These would be things we can control. Okay. So he said without understanding those two things, common causes, special causes. He would be reacting rather than responding. Yes. So there's that. Which I think we've seen all around the world. Yes. Lots of reacting instead of responding. Yes. And lots of underreacting for the opposite reason. Like we've talked about is we're like, well, I don't know what to believe because it's all craziness. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, you get reactions on both sides Mm and neither one's good. Mm-hmm. Neither one's good. No. I, I love this because, yeah, keep going. Sorry. So <laughs> then he took his graphs and he sent uh, the graphs with his interpretations mm-hmm. 
um, in a report, I'm not even going to try to say his name, to the Director General of the Association of Healthcare Professionals in India. Okay. And a close associate of the person heading the COVID-19 task force that was reporting to the Prime Minister. So he sent it to two people. Okay. That are in influential places, yes. I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, and he got an overwhelmingly positive response. Well, good. With those graphs. And they asked him to start sending in regular updates. Oh, awesome. Of his analysis. Um, so this is way beyond the flatten the curve or slow the spread, you know, mantras is, we that we hear. we want to know how we're doing. Um, and he said he doesn't know how they use the data or if they use the data. He just knows he was asked to keep sending it. Oh, good. Um so I think that's really about all from the blog post that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I just I think like it's it. beneficial because this is what I have struggled with the whole time. <clears throat> There's so much information. We're being flooded with so much information. And yep. it's a rush to get the next headline yeah. out there and to be the first with the next headline. And then it's contradictory information from mm-hmm. the government, from CDC, mm-hmm. From doctors, one mm-hmm. doctor will say one thing and another doctor will say, nope, that's not right. Yeah, uh, It's so contradictory. And I've said a number of times on our podcast, I like numbers. Yeah, <laughs> Give me well, some numbers. And this gives you some really good numbers because, like say, let's say, so we'll run a few scenarios here. we got a few minutes on this one. So if the cases go up, ah, that's scary. We've got way more cases this month than we had last month in Houston. By itself, that would appear mm-hmm. Houston's getting really bad. Ooh, okay, that's that's not good. Mm-hmm. Then you could say, well, you know, the, the death rate has gone down. Maybe, but maybe in February when people were dying from it, um, our testing really sucked, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so the number is going to be artificially higher. But with a control chart, you can see how it goes, and you can start to identify the relationship between these numbers. Mm-hmm. And so then you can make actual predictive models and you can say, yes, we're having more fatalities, but had things been functioning the way they were 30 days ago, 60 days ago, we should have twice as twice more than we're having or, you know, the opposite way around. But you, you can make some real decisions about what's good and what's bad. Yeah, so while you're talking, I um, I had written some numbers down because I like numbers. But one thing I did not write down is how many people have been tested. And I'm trying to Google on my phone while mm-hmm. you're talking, and I can't, I can't find the number of people that have been tested in mm-hmm. Texas. There's lots of information of, you know, who has it, how many yeah. have it, um, who's re- how many have recovered, who's died from it. Right. But I can't find the number of testing. So, and this is just a quick search right, right, right. on my phone while we're talking, so I'm not saying it's not out there. Yeah. Um, but that's frustrating because yeah. I can't even put it in perspective because it's not available. I know. Um, but I do have some numbers to put into perspective. Speak so away. What I found was that on March 24th, the Prime Minister of India put them on a 21-day lock, lockdown. Okay. And then I saw that on May 1st, they said two more weeks. Ooh. Then it looks like it really didn't reopen until the end of May. Okay. So about a month and a half, they were on a lockdown. And even then, there were certain like periods of release from June and July. So it looks like they may still be kind of phasing the lockdown. Sure. Um, 
So then I wanted to look at confirmed cases and deaths as a percentage. Yeah. Okay, so let's do that. So in Texas, mm-hmm. according to my Google searches, <laughs> um, 0.98% of our Texas population is con- has confirmed COVID. Okay, so we'll call it 1%. Call it 1%. 0.01% of the Texas population has died from COVID. Okay, so that's about one, if you get it, you 1% of the people that get it die. Yes. Okay. Okay. So that's for Texas. So we're saying 1% of the population of Texas gets it, and a tenth 1% of, of the people that get it die. Yeah, so however you want to look at it. In the U.S., 1.06% of the population mm-hmm. has gotten COVID. Okay. And 0.04% has died from it. Hmm. I want to be clear. I'm not saying 0.04% of the people who got it died from mm-hmm. it. It's 0.04% of the total U.S. population has died from COVID. Then we look at India, who did go on a very extreme lockdown. Okay. 0.07% of their population got COVID. Mm-hmm. And 0.002% died from it. Really? Yes. So they did substantially better than we did. Very much so. Hmm. I think, and okay, I wish I would have started the other way, but you look at the numbers, that's a percentage. We put it in perspective right. first because that's right. That's how my brain works. Right. That's why I like, you look at the numbers, India has 936,000 confirmed cases. Wow, that sounds scary. That does. That's that almost horribly a million scary. people. Yeah, which means. But their population is 1.3 billion. Yeah, they're like With a fifth of the world's whole population. So when you just <laughs> throw out numbers, I know that's super. You got to have context. Super scary. But okay, so let's take this out of just talking about COVID. Let's talk about just regular workplace stuff. It's the same thing in workplace, right? You know, so I used to get so frustrated because we'd have losses on projects. You know, sometimes we'd have some costs on them. And we'd spend so much time and so many hours in meetings trying to find a way to nickel and dime down the cost. But then when you realize as a total percentage of the company's business, we spent more money arguing the cost <laughs> than reducing the cost. The cost. Yeah. And so we can we can wind up doing the same thing in, in the workplace if we don't put things in proper context. Mm-hmm. So it's like because I was a systems administrator, right? So I wanted to spend, you know, a lot of money on new servers and infrastructure. And we we uh, the the cost to benefit ratio there of what we would get kind of going to the decision stuff we've already talked about. So we get a lot of good for it for the long run, but yes, there's a cost today. But when you compare that over the course of five years, oh my gosh, just to even argue it for five minutes was a waste of time. But Mm -hmm. when you're talking about $30,000 of servers, $30,000 of servers, Mm -hmm. that That sounds like a lot. Yeah. But then when you realize how much it's going to save and do good everywhere else and the fraction that is of the total company Mm -hmm. budget, you're like, why are we even talking about this? Mm -hmm. This is a waste of time. You know, the same thing that happens here in COVID, it just happens with our our daily lives. Yeah. And I don't feel like, well, I started to say I don't feel like any COVID discussion is a waste of time, but that's not true. There is discussion. There is a waste (laughs) of time. I feel like our leaders Mm -hmm. need 
to put things in perspective. And I agree. they need to demand that media puts things in perspective. I agree. Um, we need these ratios. Yeah. And well, it doesn't even have to be in a control chart. No. Because, frankly, I think I saw a picture of the control chart, and I didn't understand it at no. all. Um, but well, there's a lot that goes into it to determine how good are these numbers, right? Right. Because if so, there's too much of a change, in, in case. Yeah. So if you want to come at me with a percent mm-hmm. and still share those numbers, but yeah. give it in a relation, put it in a perspective. Yeah, I agree. For me. I agree. Um, so I, and all this to say, like, it looks like the lockdown worked well for India. Mm-hmm. Um, and would it work well for us? I was listening to another podcast mm-hmm. where they talked about hindsight, and it's so dangerous to look at yes. hindsight because what's the point of arguing what's already happened? You can't change it. Right. There's no use in criticizing. Let's work together and make a solution from here on out. So, you know, I don't know if it was handled well or not. It would be fascinating to do this because America is so incredibly diverse, depending on where you go, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're looking at rural southern communities versus urban northern communities. Right. It's a totally different set of variables there. Exactly. And it sounds like India, just by nature of their size and population, is all urban. <laughs> like, there's just people everywhere. Um, I'm sure that's not quite true, but yeah. It's, it's a very different urban dynamic. And, yes. But my fear is we relate these numbers. I look at this and I say, maybe we need to go on a lockdown for a month. Maybe right. that would help. And a true lockdown, like grocery stores are closed. Gas stations are closed. Every, there's no essential workers. Everything's closed. Right. Because I imagine that's what India did. I don't know for sure. Well, I haven't read up on their lockdown. But then my question is, would it work at this point? Right. Are we too far in? True, because if there's too many cases. And and to determine that, we need somebody right. running these control charts well, every day. Well, yeah, and we could run those um, you know, retroactively because we've been collecting a lot of data all along that's the true. way. You know, I uh, listened to uh, – podcast with uh you know because listen to joe rogan but of course it takes three hours to listen to him <laughs> we try to do this in 20 minutes of course we're failing a little bit today that's okay but he was talking to uh, uh eric weinstein or, yeah was it eric no it was brett weinstein i can't, i never can remember which one's same any case he's uh as an evolutionary biologist he was he was saying that what he thinks should have happened is the moment this became an issue we did a six week like we were talking about dramatic mm-hmm. lockdown he said we, we would have been fine the virus would have fizzled itself out and we'd be good but you know hindsight can't go right. back and fix that but now we could take a look and we could again taking these three metrics right mm-hmm. you know uh what i'll was say it? it was uh Positive cases to the number of tests conducted, recoveries to the number of cases daily, and fatalities to the number of cases daily. There you go. So if we take a look at these three statistics, and or these three, I'm going to call them objectives because you, you want to get those low, right? So mm-hmm. we've got three objectives here. Well, what were the actions taken in this part of rural Texas versus that part of mm-hmm. rural Georgia? Okay. Mm-hmm. You know. And then we take a look at, okay, well, what happened in Houston versus what happened in New York, right? Where did we get the best impact? Where did things go wrong? Mm -hmm. And you can make informed decisions, and maybe they're very localized decisions. Maybe you go, you know what? All you folks living out in the boonies, you need to behave this way for six weeks. We're going to crack down on you if you don't, and here's why you need to do it. And all you folks here in the urban areas, you got to behave in this way for six weeks, and if you don't, we're going to crack down on you. But, you know, you have to also consider your customer. 
mm-hmm. and this and relay that information in a way that makes sense. Yep. If you um, give these control charts to people, I started saying the boonies, but I don't even live in the boonies and I don't understand. Well, them. I grew up in the boonies. So, so. I, and so just because you grew up in the boonies doesn't mean you're one thing or the other. My point is you need to know your audience and your yes. customer and relay that information in a way that makes sense. Amen. And may, if it and it, you may have to relay it in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. It may be a control chart, and it may be percentages. Yeah, it's whatever it is. But I think that, and I think you're right. I think leaders of each area. But then the, the problem then becomes, you know, dimming thinks of the system as a whole. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, I go into lockdown for six weeks, but another area doesn't. Mm-hmm. And then I travel there. Well, right. guess what? I might bring it back. This is true, so, but this is where the part versus part of is key and this is why our uh, i absolutely love the way that our local and state and federal government is laid out and if it is utilized in that manner we get that part versus part of benefit that we've talked about like with the toyota you know production system is if you got the local folks working together working together with the neighboring local folks Mm -hmm. working together with the folks at the next level up but that only only will work with good data trustworthy reliable valid and that's the great part about control charts is it will tell you how reliable or unreliable the data is because there's certain variances that you can predict Mm -hmm. and if it's varying too greatly you can go in saying look we only got an 80 percent confidence that this is right versus going we're 99 percent certain this is right yeah so I, i think this is something that needs to be done Amen. Our, Amen. our leaders. And Kyle and I have talked about this a number of times. That we just don't have good enough information yep. to know how we should really feel about it. Yeah. And and with, with these three objectives, we could make some good decisions for our family, mm-hmm. for our community, for our business, for our customers. Mm-hmm. We could make good informed decisions. Mm-hmm. And whether we're talking COVID or whether we're talking your production schedule at your facility, mm-hmm. your non-conformance rates amount of overtime your team is working you know you can make good decisions with good data you make bad decisions with bad data (laughs) that's it all right there we go we'll end it on that thanks for listening i am excited to let you know that we are going to introduce a new podcast i say we because usually kyle's on the podcast with me But this one is all me, and it's called The Practical Roustabout. And you might be asking, what is that, much like I did? A roustabout is a drill crew member who handles the loading and unloading of equipment and assists in the general operations around the rig. So this podcast came about because, as I've mentioned several times on Quality Matters, I don't really know anything about quality. I've, I've learned a lot, um, and I certainly know less about the oil and gas industry. So I find myself sitting in meetings with Kyle, and people are throwing about words and terms and phrases, and I have no idea what they're talking about. And I sit there like a deer in the headlights, and my head hurts when we leave, and I don't know. I don't know what they're saying. Um, so we've talked about producing new podcasts before and this was something that I really wanted to work on. So this podcast, the practical roustabout is to talk about all the varied jobs in the oil and gas industry. And it came about to help me 
understand oil and gas because I quickly learned it is far more than turning oil into gas for your car. <laughs> um, so I want to know what it is. So the practical roustabout is um, I'm the roustabout. I am unloading information on you and I am just in general telling you about the operations of the oil and gas industry but I'm bringing it to you in a practical understanding way that hopefully anyone can listen to. Um, my target audience is really anyone. If you are a high school or a college student that wants to go into the oil and gas industry, great. I'm going to tell you what jobs are available. Um, if you are not in the industry and you just want to know more about how it works, guess what? So do I. <laughs> That's why I'm doing this podcast. Um, if you are a trade school, a high school, or a college, or a business that wants to start offering new classes and trainings that might be beneficial to those going into the oil and gas industry, maybe get a leg up, um, listen to my podcast. You're going to learn what real-life oil and gas businesses need their new employees to know. Um, if you're an oil and gas expert, maybe you've worked away at the corporate ladder Listen to my guests that are on the front lines working every day and get some feedback to how their job is going and what you could do to help make it better or more efficient and make them happier in the jobs. If you're an individual that's just in the industry already, you're already working it, maybe you're a real life roustabout and you want to know more about what other jobs are in the industry, listen to our show. We're going to tell you what jobs are in the other or in the industry. So my goal here is to have guests on from all aspects of the oil and gas industry. Um, and I wish I could tell you from, you know, this job that's at the bottom rung to this job that's at the top rung, but I don't know the names of those jobs. And that's the whole point of this podcast. So I invite you to listen. If you're in the oil and gas industry and you're already an employee doing a job, great. Contact me. You can find me on LinkedIn, Darcy Chambers. And let me know that you want to be on the show, and we will handle that for you. I look forward to interacting with everyone, and I hope you guys will listen. Thanks.